Thanks for tuning into this week's message. For more resources and information about Cedar Valley, please visit cvchurch.org. We're in our fourth and final week of our series we've been studying on the Holy Spirit. And uh, we've learned some really uh, valuable things. I think, number one, we learned week one that if you're a follower of Jesus, and just so you know this, uh, I recognize every week that there are people come in and you say, hey, I'm not a follower of Jesus. I'm just, I'm just checking it out. Let me just tell you this. I love the fact that you come. I love that you want to be part of the discussion. Uh, I love that you have questions about faith. I think most everybody in here has questions about faith. We're just afraid to say it sometimes. And so if you're a follower of Jesus, however, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. We learned that, that every single follower of Jesus has the Holy Spirit living in them. Secondly, we learned this, that if the Holy Spirit lives in you, you have spiritual gifts. The Holy Spirit gives spiritual gifts to each of us, to all of us. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have some form of spiritual gifts. We know that. Then we learned, though, that, listen, the use of those spiritual gifts, when you operate and when you function, when you use the spiritual gifts the way that God has, has designed you to use them, man, it, it brings life to full living color. It is vibrant life. When you operate in those gifts as God has gifted you, it just brings a vibrancy to life. But then last week we learned this, however, that the primary purpose of the Holy Spirit is to empower you to be witnesses. Is any of this ringing a bell? Nobody. Okay, good. And so it's empowering you to be a witness. That was the primary purpose of the Holy Spirit. So today we're going to take a look at something slightly different about the Holy Spirit. And, and I think this will be very valuable to us. And so we're going to be in Acts chapter 2. If you'd open your Bible there to Acts chapter 2. And while you're getting that ready, let me, let me just... Uh, kind of explain a few things to you. Think back to all the times when you, the things that you've been afraid of, like things that you've just been scared of, things you're like, ooh, that's kind of, you remember, because there's, there's one that, that, that wasn't that long ago, uh, especially if you're my age or older, it doesn't seem like that long ago. Do you remember this one? Do you remember what we were all afraid of? Remember this? Ooh, look out, right? Remember this? Remember, it's the, well, it's the, it's the only New Year's Eve that I've ever stayed up till midnight, so I really remember it. But I remember this, no lie, we were out, and I remember people <laughs> literally, some of you will remember this, you know, it's 11.59, and then it's like, five, four, three, and we're all doing this, two, do you remember this? And literally, it went one, and everybody went, like, we all thought the lights were going to go out, the power grid was going to go down, do you remember that? We thought computers were going to shut down, and, and how silly was it we were so afraid of this? Okay, now think even to some of the other things that were sillier that you're afraid of. And I'm going to show a picture, and it's a little graphic, so I apologize for that. And if you have small kids, it'll be a little fearful for them. And I didn't think of that ahead of time, but remember this? Remember bro- Remember how scary broccoli was when you were a kid? Do you remember that? You're like, broccoli, right? And all those foods, were like, what were the other foods you were afraid of? Like Brussels sprouts? Uh, yeah, somebody just had, got shaky. Remember, Spin- spinach isn't funny because I'm still afraid of a spinach. I can eat spinach in a salad. I can't keep eat cooked spinach. It's still, um, we did learn though, I've learned the, the very best way, and some of you probably already know this, the best possible way, if you're going to eat spinach, the best possible way we've learned, you, you actually barbecue it. Have, how many of you have done this? You bar- so you get a uh, wood, uh, it's like, have you ever done this? It's like wood cedar shingle. You know what I'm talking about? You put it on there, you put, you put the spinach on it, you put olive oil on it, you put uh, lemon pepper on it, you get your grill good and hot, you put that in there for like three and a half, what are you, three and a half, two and a half, three and a half minutes, and then you pull it out, you flip it over, let the spinach fall off, and then just eat the shingle. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was a lot of work for, you know what I'm saying? Okay, so 
But do you remember how afraid of this you were? And then here's what's really crazy about this. Now that you've gotten a little older, you went, man, we didn't need to be afraid of broccoli. We like broccoli. Like we seriously have a killer recipe that we love to cook Brussels sprouts. We love Brussels sprouts at our house. And when we were afraid, we were so little, when we were little, we were so afraid of them. And I honestly believe that what we're going to learn today and what we're going to see about the Holy Spirit is this. A lot of us have been afraid of the Holy Spirit and scared of the Holy Spirit. Now, some of you, uh, it was really fun about uh, three, four weeks ago when we said, I said, hey, raise your hand if you grew up in the Assemblies of God, which is, if you're new, our church is in a fellowship called the Assemblies of God. Some of you did, but a lot of you grew up Catholic, and a lot of you grew up Lutheran. If you grew up in mainline denominations, we kind of don't, we, do, we don't talk about the Holy Spirit. And if you grew up in a, in a tradition like I grew up in, not only did we not, we, we talk about the Holy Spirit, but we were told it's kind of, that stuff's not for today. Some of you grew up in traditions like that, where we taught, like, not anymore, not for today. And so we have this weird kind of fear of it almost. And I think what we're going to see today is, man, you don't need to be afraid of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's better than broccoli, man. You, you, you find out that stuff's good, and you desire it, and you want it. And I think that's where we're going to get to today. That's what I'm really hoping. So Acts chapter 2, if you have that in your Bible, uh, once you stand to your feet when you get it. And if you pull it up on a digital device, it'll oftentimes ask you what translation. We're New Living Translation. That's what we use. Also, I'll just mention this. Uh, if you don't have a hard copy Bible, I'm just telling you, I think this is a big deal. I really do, because you can write in it and take notes and underline and highlight, and you can write down questions for later. And so if you don't have one, you don't have to go buy one. We bought a truckload of them, and we just put them out on the tables every week. They're there so that you can take it. It's a gift. It's just free. Just take it, bring it back every week. This is Acts chapter 2, and I'm starting in, in, uh, I'm starting in verse, hold on just a minute. Now I'm there. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 says this, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven, like the, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames of tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other language uh, as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Uh, Thank you for what you're trying to tell us constantly in your word. Holy Spirit, we need you to explain who you are this morning through the word. And so I'm just praying, Holy Spirit, give us insight, give us wisdom. Just open the eyes of our hearts. Give us understanding in a way that, that, that comes to fruition in our lives. Change us. Draw us to the Father. Reveal yourself to us, Holy Spirit. We just want to worship you. We want to know you better and worship you, O oh God. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can be seated. So uh, we're going to look at this text, and we're going to look at what it says, and we're going to look at what it has to say to us today and try to understand. So here's the text, if you would. It says this, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. All the believers at this point in time, as we have recorded, it's about 120 people. Those were all the believers, and they're in one place. Now, we'll see this later, but remember this from last week. Jesus told them, stay in Jerusalem. Don't go anywhere. Just stay there until the gift that I have promised is coming. So, so right now we know this. They're all in one place. They're in Jerusalem. They're pro- very possibly in this upper room. They're meeting there. But it says, on the day of Pentecost. Now, I want us to understand a couple things today. I want us to understand what Pentecost is. 
I think that's really important. What was Pentecost in the Old Testament? What was Pentecost in the New Testament? We want to understand those things. But we also want to know, like, what, what did Pentecost mean? And then finally, I want us to get this. Is Pentecost for us today? Is it still for today? Is Pentecost for today? Is this just something that was back then that happened 2,000 years ago? Or is it for us today? We want to see that. And so I want us, first of all, to understand just what Pentecost. What is Pentecost? So let me give you a little understanding of that. First of all, there are three major feasts for the Jews. In Judaism, there are three major feasts. There's a total of seven feasts, but there are three majors. The first feast is Passover. We'll look at these in just a second because you've got to understand these. There's Passover, then there's Pentecost, then there's a Feast of Tabernacles. We'll explain it all. But, but uh, Pentecost would have been the second. It's in the third month of the Jewish calendar. It's the month of Sivan. It would be kind of our um, May-June. It would be right where we are now. That would be the, the Feast of Pentecost. But it means 50. Now watch this. Just real simple. Penta means five. Penta, the Pentagon, five-sided. Penta means five, and cost means to the 10th power. Pentecost means 50. Everybody ready? 50. Okay, nobody's that scared. You don't need to be scared. You don't need to be afraid. 50, there's nothing scary about 50 unless you're 20. 50 is not scary. (laughs) Got it? You don't need to be afraid of 50 when we say 50. That's what Pentecost is. It means 50. Got it? Okay. It's also, and you should know this, and this is going to be significant in a second, it's the most attended festival of the year. Because of the time of the year it falls, it's the third month, it's Sivan, it's, it's our May-June, it's great weather, it's great traveling weather, and so it's the most attended. So for all the three major festivals, everybody was supposed to go to Jerusalem. Now you might be in other places, but really everybody's kind of supposed to go to Jerusalem. Okay? It's the most cosmopolitan gathering. That's going to be really significant when we talk about this in a minute. Keep this in mind. It's the most cosmopolitan gathering. People from all over the known world, all different, all different ethnicities, all different languages would come to Jerusalem for that time. It's also the first fruits all right, of the wheat harvest. It's the very first fruits of the wheat harvest. But here's what it commemorated. It commemorates the law being given at Mount Sinai. That's what Pentecost was in the Old Testament. They would commemorate the law being given at Mount Sinai. So here's what happened. The Israelites were slaves in Egypt for about 400 years. A lot of you know this. Finally, God raises up Moses. Moses goes to Pharaoh and he says, hey, let my people go. He says, uh-uh. And so he sends the plagues, right? And eventually they let the slaves go. They go through the Red Sea, the parting of the Red Sea. And after about two weeks period of time, they get to the base of Mount Sinai. Now they're at the base of Mount Sinai and Moses goes up to Mount Sinai and God gives him what is called the law. It's the instruction is a better way to think of it. God says, here's who I am. If you want to be my people, here's how you're going to be. Are you guys up for this? And they go, yeah, great. We got a covenant. That was it. This was the giving of the law at Mount Sinai. And I just want you to think about this because I want you to see see how cool it is to read the Bible. I I can geek out on this stuff sometimes. I know it and it gets nerdy. But I'm just telling you, you got to see how this stuff works, right? At the original giving of the law, at the original Pentecost, Moses goes up to Mount Sinai. Now watch this. The cloud comes down on the mountain. It's the presence of God. The cloud comes down. God carves the law on the stones, the tablets that Moses has, right? The ink isn't even dry on those tablets. He gives them the law that they could never keep. I mean, there's no way they could because down below, like for instance, in the law, it says, don't commit adultery. Well, what are they doing down below? The people, they're all doing that. They're all messing up. And what happens on that day? 3,000 people die. 3,000 people. Okay, now go to the New Testament. 
It's the day of Pentecost in the New Testament. You ready? The cloud comes down. It's the fire. It's the presence of God, the Holy Spirit. He carves his law. He says he writes his law on their hearts. And on that day, 3,000 people get saved. It's in here. I mean, if you can't get jacked up about reading this stuff, I mean, this is just, it's the greatest stuff to read. Now, now I said this is the second of the three major feasts. So you got to understand, because at the end, this is going to come back. I'm promising you, you can just stay with me. The first of the major feasts is Passover. It's in their first month of the year, which is Nisan, and it's about March, April. It's right in that time. And it also goes with, so uh, Pentecost basically is a feast by itself. Passover has two other feasts, and this is going to be important. It's the Feast of Unleavened Bread is during that time, and the Feast of the First Fruits. Passover is thinking back to that time when they were still slaves, still in Egypt. And, and Moses says to Pharaoh, you got to let these children go. And Pharaoh says, uh-uh. And he says, well, God's going to send some plagues. And Pharaoh says, bring it on. And the last plague, the tenth plague, was the death of the firstborn of every child in Egypt. Do you remember this? And so how would you, how would you not experience that? You take a lamb, a spotless lamb, a perfect lamb, a lamb without a blemish. You would kill that lamb. You would take their blood and you would smear it over the doorpost. The blood of the lamb is over the doorpost. Everybody who's in that house, everybody who is under that blood, then the angel of death would pass over them. It commemorates the covering of the blood of the lamb. That's Passover, the first of the major feasts. It's on the first month of their year. It's in Nisan, our March and April. Now, we go to Passover, and then the third feast of the year is the, the Feast of Tabernacles. The Feast of Tabernacles, third major feast, it would be in the month of Tishri. It's kind of uh, September, October-ish in the Jewish calendar. It also goes along with, remember we said three major feasts, Total of seven. The two other feasts that go along with this are the Feast of Trumpets. This is all coming back to you, I promise. This is all going to come back. And the Feast of Atonement. It remembers the Israelites in the wilderness. So now they come out of Egypt. They go through the Red Sea. They've been at Mount Sinai. They're traveling through the wilderness. And what are they living in? Tents or tabernacles. It is a place of dwelling. And it celebrates Pentecost, remembers, it commemorates God's deliverance, God's faithfulness, God's provision for them as they were traveling through the wilderness. Got it? Everybody take a deep breath. Okay, now go back to our passage. On the day of Pentecost, Pentecost, 50. On the day of Pentecost, and by the way, the 50 is for 50 days after the Passover. It is seven Sabbaths. It is 50 days after the Passover. That's still when it is today. Pentecost is still 50 days after Passover. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. We read that before. And then it says, Suddenly there was a noise from the sky which sounded like a strong wind blowing, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. It was a sound. It was audible. They heard it, this powerful wind blowing. It's not a great mystery that we see the word wind here. The word wind in the Hebrew. The word wind in the Greek. The word wind in Latin all means spirit. Very interesting. There's this strong wind blowing, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then, all right, buckle up, here you go. Then they saw what looked like tongues of fire, which spread out and touched each person there. Now, now many translations say it was resting on each of them, right? Here it simply says it touched each person, but they were like 
tongues of fire. I liken this to the Apostle John who, who wrote the book of the Revelation, and he's trying to describe heaven. He goes, well, it's, it's like streets of gold. Well, it's all he had to think of. And here, uh, Luke is writing to us, and he said, man, there's this thing, that there was this mighty sound of wind, and this, it, it descended on them. They were like tongues of fire. That's what it was like. And it was on each person. Each person. There are 120 believers. It was on everybody, all the 120. It's not just on the pastors. This tongue of fire is not just on, on you know, people who are work at the church. It's on all believers. And then it says this. All of them were filled with the Spirit, and they begin. Now listen, I wrote this in the NIV because I want you to see this. This isn't our NLT. The more literal translation says, they begin to speak with other tongues as the Spirit enabled. Now just... Everybody just relax a minute, because <laughs> as soon as we say tongues, if you didn't grow up in a Pentecostal, we are a, we are a Pentecostal church in our theology, meaning we believe that what happened at Pentecost, there's no reason to think that that doesn't still exist today. That's why we're a Pentecostal church, right? Our theology is Pentecostal. And as soon as you say tongues, if you didn't grow up in a Pentecostal church, you're like, oh, broccoli, look out, like broccoli, right? Listen to me. The word is glossa. That's where it comes from, glossa. What's another word with glossa? Glossary. Glossary. It just means they were speaking in other languages. Now watch in our translation. It actually says that a little bit better. That they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages. That's what this is. As the Spirit enabled them. We'll see later in Acts chapter 2. We won't read it today. But later in Acts chapter 2, it says they each heard them speaking in their own languages. They're like, that's weird. They're speaking in my language, and they're, 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 all Gal- they're all from Galilee. They're up from Galilee. How would they speak my language? It says, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to talk in other languages as the Spirit enabled them to speak. Okay, so it brings up this question. Is that for us today? Is that for us today? And if you think it's for us today, why do you think that? If you don't think it's for us today, why don't you think that? Now, I don't really have room for opinion, and here's what I love about preaching at this church. Nobody cares what I think. Nobody cares about my opinion. If you're new here, you ought to know this about this church. This is a church that says, brother, open up the Bible and tell us what the Bible says. We'll let you blab later. I love that about this church. What does the Bible say? So, so let me just explain this to you again. Look at Acts chapter 1. If you have your Bible, but just ch- check back to Acts chapter 1. We're going to see what this is. Watch this. Acts chapter 1 and verse 4, he says this. Once when he, that's Jesus, was with them, that means the disciples. Once when Jesus was with the disciples, he commanded them, don't leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. Remember, we read this last week. Jesus with the disciples. Stay here in Jerusalem. Don't leave Jerusalem until you receive the gift Now, what's the gift? This is verse 4. Watch. Very next verse, verse 5, he's going to explain to you what the gift is. He says this, John baptized with water, John the Baptist, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. That is the gift. The gift is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Okay, now we get to Acts chapter 2, what we just read. The Spirit comes down. They begin speaking with other tongues. Everybody freaks out. All the the people there, who not, not the believers... All the other people are like, what is going on here? One guy, remember, one guy speaks up and he goes, I think they're all drunk. And the other guy goes, no, no, it's too early for that. Couldn't be drunk yet, right? And then Peter seizes the opportunity. And what does he do? Peter just preaches. It's the greatest sermon recorded in the scripture. And the brother blisters the wallpaper. I mean, he just tells like this Jesus, he is the Messiah. He came to save us from our sins. He died, he was crucified, he rose from the dead. 
after he gets all done preaching, at the end of chapter 2, verse 37, Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, this is all the other people that are out there. They're saying this to Peter. They're saying this to all the other apostles. Brothers, as in Jewish brothers, what must we do? What should we do? What, what are we going to do about this? Great. Peter jumps on it. Verse 38. Peter replied, each of you, you got to repent of your sins. Repent. Remember this. means to turn in the opposite direction. I've said this before. So often when we repent, we do like this. Here's my sin, and we just try to do this. No. Repent means this. Turn your back on sin. Boom. Walk the other way. He says you got to repent of your sins and you got to turn to God. You turn away from sin and you turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. That baptism is a water baptism. This is water baptism. This is why we baptize folks. We dunk them in the tank. And the reason is we're commanded in the scripture. You got to repent you got to turn to God, and you got to be baptized. Now watch what he says right after that. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What's the gift? Baptism in the Holy Spirit. This stuff, listen, now watch, watch as he continues, because the question we ask is this, is it for us today? This happened 2,000 years ago. Is it for us today? Now watch what he says. This promise is to you all. He's talking to that crowd 2,000 years ago. This is to all of you that are here right now. Further, he says, it's to your children. Maybe they have children who haven't even been born yet. It's to your children, but he's not done. Then he says this, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. When he says to those who are far away, he was specifically talking about Neil, and he was talking about you all. You're the ones, I'm the one, we were far from God. And we have now been called by the Lord our God. Yes, it's for you. Yes, it's for your children. He was talking to the audience 2,000 years ago. Beyond that, it is, it is to your children, yes, but it is to those who are far away. It's to those who are going to be called by God. This thing is for them. Now, I want you to see this in, in light of the festivals, the feasts. Now, watch this. Passover we talked about. Along with Passover is the Feast of the Unleavened Bread and the Feast of First Roots. Question, when was Passover fulfilled? Answer, the day that Jesus was crucified. That was the fulfillment of the Passover. Now watch how this happens because this stuff just gets crazier and crazier, right? Uh, 50 days after, or, or, or the, the first month of the year, I'm sorry, when they had Passover, on that day, they would take the lamb. And on the day that they were going to uh, celebrate Passover, they would take the lamb at 9 o'clock in the morning and they would kill the lamb so they would bleed. That's at the very exact same time when they nailed Jesus to the cross, the Bible tells us, at 9 o'clock in the morning. That's when he began bleeding. And at 3 o'clock in the afternoon is when they would take that animal and they would prepare it to put it in the oven. Right? It's at the exact same time, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, is exactly when they took Jesus down from the cross and prepared him to put him in the tomb. The father in the household then would take a loaf of unleavened bread. Leaven represents sin. He would take a loaf of unleavened bread, bread that has no leaven, no yeast. It's not going to rise. There's, it's, it's yeastless, sinless. And he would take that loaf and he would hide it. When would he pull it out? And the answer is the morning after the Sabbath. 
Did, did you catch that? So watch this. The morning after the Sabbath. The Sabbath is what day? Saturday. The, day, the morning after would be Sunday. What day did Jesus rise? Sunday. At the, at the exact time when that father was pulling that loaf of unbroken bread and waving it around as a sign of first fruits, of things more to come, Jesus was coming out of the tomb as a sign of first fruits, of more life to come. Are you getting this? Passover has been fulfilled. Now question, it was fulfilled back then 2,000 years ago. Do you get to participate today? Well, how? You weren't there. You weren't there 2,000 years ago. Right. We all still participate in this one. We all still participate. Okay, now skip Pentecost for a minute. Go all the way over to the Feast of Tabernacles. Feast of Tabernacles, it's, it goes along with two other feasts, the Feast of the Trumpets and the Feast of Atonement. The Feast of Trumpets, the Bible says that one day the trumpets will sound, and on that day, everyone will rise, will all rise. And, it's, and those who have been atoned, where the blood of Christ has atoned for you, you've surrendered your life to Christ, and that blood now covers you, right? It says that you will rise in heaven, and you will tabernacle. You will dwell with the Lord forever. Question, do you get to participate in this? Well, I don't know. You may be dead by then. You may not be here for that. Right. The Bible actually says that when the trumpet sounds, the dead in Christ will actually rise first. You participate in Passover even though you weren't there. You will participate in tabernacles even though you're not going, you may very well may not be here. Why do we think that we don't participate in Pentecost? It's for you, it's for your children, it's for all of those who are far off, whoever, whoever the Lord would call. Do you understand what I'm saying? Pentecost is for today. It's for believers today. That same experience is there for believers today. So I want to give you the big so what. The big so what is this. The power of the past is still present today. Now, I would do this, because the more I've thought about this and prayed for this and prepared for this, in your notes, scratch out that word present and put available. It's still available for you today. That power of the Holy Spirit, that baptism in the Holy Spirit is absolutely still available for you today. And I know it gets weird if you grew up in a tradition like I did, which says, hey, we don't do that, we don't talk about that, that's not for us today. Or if you grew up in a denomination, it's just like, oh, I don't know, it's not a big deal. We just don't talk about it. We don't mess with that. It's still present for us today. I want you to see that this baptism in the Holy Spirit, as evidenced by speaking in other languages, is not something you need to be afraid of. It's not something you need to run away from. It's not broccoli, everybody. Well, it is broccoli. It's broccoli in that we're a little scared. And then we realize, oh my goodness, that is so good. Let's pray. Would you, hey, would you stand with me? Would you stand? Can we stand and pray at the same time? Is that legal here? Yeah, let's do that. So, Father, thank you that you are God in heaven. Thank you that we're not. Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus, that he died and that he rose again. And, Jesus, we're grateful that when you ascended into heaven to sit at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, that you sent your spirit, that your spirit is here. Your spirit lives in us. That Holy Spirit, you gift us, you give us spiritual gifts. And I believe, Spirit, that you want to reveal yourself to us. And for many of us in a way that we did not previously know you. God, I pray that you're taking some of the weird and some of the fear out of this. Holy Spirit, we want to avail ourselves to you.
We want to surrender to you. We want to subject ourselves to you. Whatever you have. So God, open our eyes. We don't want to seek some crazy, Lord. We don't want to seek some great gift. We want to seek you. We want to seek your presence. We want to seek your face. But Holy Spirit, reveal yourself to us. We still pray. Do what you want to do, God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.